Hi, I'm MC Jessie. 大家好，读你听二点零，今日继续读 Miguel de Cervantes 嘅 Don Quixote， 读到第三十二节啦。呢一节嘅名叫做 Which treats of what befell Don Quixote's party at the inn？ 进入咗攞旅馆。咁上一回发生咩事咧？主从两人 Don Quixote 同 Sancho 之间嘅对话 ，Don Quixote 最紧张嘅就系 Dulcinea 对于佢嘅情书，佢嘅表白嘅反应。咁 Sancho 咧为咗令到 Don Quixote 知难而退咧，虚构咗成个过程，将 Dulcinea 个外表啦、态度啦、佢身上嘅所有嘢，包括佢嘅体味啊、性情啦，全部都歪曲晒，做咗相反。咁令到當健康提咧，反而就想快啲翻去啊，就到 Bosco 嗰度咧，就揾到 Senior。咁 Sancho 咧，亦都有提出疑問啦，對於誒當健康提嘅表白啦，佢嘅愛慕啦，點解要咁做啊？點解要揾咁多人去向到 Senior 去表白啊？令到佢咁尷尬啊？咁當健康提咧就話呢啲佢嘅愛咧係精潔嘅，就唔係要有啲乜嘢結果。亦都唔係有啲乜嘢個過程先係最重要嘅。好，我哋睇下呢一節發生咩事先。跟住我哋交俾 Costa 同大家讀嚟聽。The dainty repast being finished, they settled at once. Without any adventure worth mentioning, they reached next day the inn, the object of Sancho Panza's fear and dread. But though he would have rather not entered it, that there was no help for it. The landlady, the landlord, their daughter, and Maritornes, when they saw Don Quixote and Sancho coming. Went out to welcome them with signs of hearty satisfaction, which Don Quixote received with dignity and gravity, and bade them make up a better bet for him than the last time. To which the landlady replied that if he paid better than he did the last time, she would give him one fit for a prince. Don Quixote said he would, so they made up a tolerable one for him in the same garret as before, and he lay down at once, being sorely shaken and in want of sleep. No sooner was the door shut upon him than the landlady made at the barber, and seizing him by the beard, said, "By my faith, you are not going to make a beard of my tail any longer. You must give me back my tail, for it is a shame the way that thing of my husband's goes tossing about on the floor. I mean the comb that I used to stick in my good tail." But for all she tugged at it, the barber would not give up until the licentiate told him to let her have it, as there was now no further occasion for that stratagem. Because he might declare himself and appear in his own character, and tell Don Quixote that he had fled to his inn when those thieves, the galley slaves, robbed him, and should he ask for the princess squire, they could tell him that she had sent him on before her to give notice to the people of her kingdom that she was coming, and bringing with her the deliverer of them all. On this, the barber cheerfully restored the tale to the landlady. And at the same time, they returned all the accessories they had borrowed to effect Don Quixote's deliverance. All the people of the inn were struck with astonishment at the beauty of Dorothea, and even at the comely figure of the shepherd Cardenio. The curate made them get ready such fare as there was in the inn, and the landlord, in hope of better payment, served them up a tolerably good dinner. All this time, Don Quixote was asleep, and he thought it best not to waken him, as sleeping would now do him more good than eating. While at dinner, the company consisting of the landlord, his wife, their daughter, Maritornes, and all the travellers, they discussed the strange craze of Don Quixote and the manner in which he had been found. And the landlady told them what had taken place between him and the carrier. And then, looking round to see if Sancho was there, when she saw he was not, she gave them the whole story of his blanketing, 
which they received with no little amusement. But on the curate observing that it was the books of chivalry which Don Quixote had read that had turned his brain, the landlord said, I cannot understand how that can be, for in truth to my mind there is no better reading in the world, and I have here two or three of them, with other writings that are the very life, not only of myself but of plenty more, for when it is harvest time, the reapers flock here on holidays, and there is always one among them who can read and who takes up one of these books, and we get around him, thirty or more of us, and stay listening to him with a delight that makes our grey hairs grow young again. At least I can say for myself that when I hear of what furious and terrible blows the knight deliver, I am seized with longing to do the same, and I would like to be hearing about them night and day. And I just as much, said the landlady, because I never have a quiet moment in my house except when you are listening to someone reading, for then you are so taken up that for the time being you forget to scold. That is true, said Maritanus, and faith I relish hearing these things greatly too, for they are very pretty, especially when it describes some lady or another in the arms of a knight under the orange trees, and a duenna who is keeping watch for them half dead with envy and fright. All this, I say, is as good as honey. And you, what do you think, young lady? said the curate, turning to the landlord's daughter. I don't know indeed, senor, said she. I listen to you, and to tell the truth, though I do not understand it, I like hearing it. But it is not the blows that my father's like that I like, but the laments the knights utter when they are separated from the ladies, and indeed they sometimes make me weep with the pity I feel for them. Then you would console them if it was for you they wept, young lady, said Dorothea. I don't know what I should do, said the girl. I only know that there are some of those ladies so cruel that they call their knight tigers and lions and a thousand other foul names. And Jesus, I don't know what sort of folk they can be, so unfeeling and heartless, that rather than bestow a glance upon a worthy man, they leave him to die of their own man. I don't know what is the good of such truly. If it is for honest sake, why not marry them? That's all they want. Hush, child, said the landlady. It seems to me thou knowest a great deal about these things, and it is not fit for girls to know or talk too much. As the gentleman asked me, I could not help answering him, said the girl. Well then, said the curate, bring me these books, Signor Landlord, for I should like to see them. With all my heart, said he, and going to his own room, he brought out an old phallus secured with a little chain. On opening, with the curate found in it three large books and some manuscripts, written in a very good hand. The first that he opened he found to be Don Cirigidio of Thrace, and second Don Felix Mato of Hercani, and the other the history of the great captain Gonzalo Hernandez de Cordova, with the life of Diego Garcia de Paradis. When a curate read the two first titles, he looked over at the barber and said, You want my friend's housekeeper, and he's here now. Nay, said the barber, I can do just as well to carry them to the yard or to the hearth, and there is a very good fire there. What? Your worship would burn my books, said the landlord. Only these two, said the curate, Don Serahidio and Felix Mart. And my books then, heretics or phlegmatics that you want to burn them, said the landlord. Schismatic, you mean, friend, said the barber, not phlegmatics. That's it, said the landlord. But if you want to burn any, let it be that about the great captain and that Diego Garcia, for I would rather have a child of mine burnt than either of the others. Brother, said the curate. Those two books are made up of lies, and are full of folly and nonsense, but this of the great captain is a true history, and contains the deeds of Gonzalo Hernandez of Cordova, who, by his many and great achievements, earned the title all over the world of the great captain, 
a famous and illustrious name, and is served by him alone. And this Diego Garcia Paredes was a distinguished knight of the city of Trujillo in Estremadura, a most gallant soldier, and of such bodily strength that with one finger he stopped a mill wheel in full motion, and posted with a two-handed sword at the foot of a bridge, he kept the whole of an immense army from passing over it, and achieved such other exploits that if, instead of his relating them himself with the modesty of a knight of, of one writing his own history, some free and unbiased writer had recorded them, and they would have thrown into the shade all the deeds of the Hectors, Achilles, and Romans. Tell that to my father, said Leno. There's a thing to be astonished at, stopping a mill wheel. By God, your worship should read what I have read of Felix Mart of Canyon. How, with one single backstroke, he cleft five giants asunder through the middle as if they had been made of bean pots like the little friars the children make. And another time, he attacked a very great and powerful army in which there were more than a million six hundred thousand soldiers, all armed from head to foot, and he routed them all as if they had been flocks of sheep. And then, what do you say to the good Sirenhidio of Thrace, that was so stout and bold, as may be seen in the book, where it is related that as he was sailing along a river that came up out of the midst of the water, against him a fiery serpent, and he, as soon as he saw it, flung himself upon it and got astride of its scaly shoulders, and squeezed its throat with both hands with such force that the serpent, finding he was throttling it, had nothing for it but to let itself sink to the bottom of the river, carrying with it the knight who would not let go his hold. And when they got down there, he found himself among palaces and gardens so pretty that it was a wonder to see. And then the serpent changed itself into an old ancient man, who told such things as were never heard. Hold your peace, Signor, for if you were to hear this, you would go mad with delight. A couple of figs for your great captain and your Diego Garcia. Hearing this, Dorothea said in a whisper to Cardenio, Our landlord is almost fit to play a second part to Don Quixote. I think so, said Cardenio, for, as he shows, he accepts it as a certainty that everything those books relate took place exactly as it is written down, and the barefooted friars themselves would not persuade him to the contrary. But consider, brother, said the curate once more, that there never was any Felix Mart of Acania in the world, nor any Suronhidio of race of any of the other knights of the same sort, that the books of chivalry talk of. The whole thing is a fabrication and invention of idle wits, devised by them for the purpose you describe of beguiling the time, as your reapers do when they read. For I swear to you in all seriousness that there never were any such knights in the world, and no such exploits or nonsense ever happened anywhere. Try that bone on another dog, said landlord. As if I didn't know how many make five and where my shoe pinches me. Don't think to feed me with pap, for by God I am no fool. It is a good joke for your worship to try and persuade me that everything these good books say is nonsense and lies, and they printed by the license of the lords of the royal council, as if they were people who would allow such a lot of lies to be printed altogether, and so many battles and enchantments that they take away one's senses. I have told you, friend, said the curate, that this is done to divert our idle thoughts, and as in well-ordered state games of chess, fives, and billets allow for the diversion of those who do not care, or are not obliged, or are unable to work, so books of this kind are allowed to be printed, on the supposition that what deeds is the truth, that there can be nobody so ignorant as to take any of them for true stories, 
And if it were permitted me now, and the present company decided, I could say something about the qualities books of chivalry should possess to be good ones. That would be to the advantage and even to the taste of some. But I hope the time will come when I can communicate my ideas to someone who may be able to mend matters. And in the meantime, Signor Landlord, believe what I have said and take your books and make up your mind about their truth or falsehood. And much good may they do you. And God grant you may not fall lame of the same foot your guest Don Quixote holds on. No fear of that, returned the landlord. I shall not be so mad as to make knight errant myself. For I see well enough that things are not now as they used to be in those days, when they say those famous knights roam about the world. Sancho had made his appearance in the middle of this conversation, and he was very much troubled and cast down by what he heard said about knight errant being now no longer in vogue, and all books of chivalry being folly and lies. And he resolved in his heart to wait and see what came of this journey of his masters. And if it did not turn out as happily as his master expected, he determined to leave him and go back to his wife and children and his ordinary labor. The landlord was carrying away the phallus and the books, but the curate said to him, "Wait, I want to see what those papers are that are written in such a good hand." The landlord, taking them out, handed them to him to read, and he perceived they were a work of about eight sheets of manuscript. With in large letters at the beginning, the title of "Novel of Ill-Advised Curiosity," the curate read three or four lines to himself and said, "I may say the title of this novel does not seem to me a bad one, and I feel an inclination to read it all." To which Landlord replied, "Then your reference will do well to read it, for I can tell you that some guests who have read it here have been much pleased with it and have backed it of me very earnestly, but I would not give it." Meaning to return it to the person who forgot the phallus, books, and papers here, for maybe he will return here some time or other. And though I know I shall miss the books, faith I mean to return them. For though I am an innkeeper, still I am a Christian. You are very right, friend," said the curate. "But for all that, if the novel pleases me, you must let me copy it with all my heart," replied the host. While they were talking, Cardenio had taken up the novel and begun to read it, informing the same opinion of it as the curate. He begged him to read it so that they might all hear it. I would read it," said the curate, "but the time would not be better spent in sleeping. It will be rest enough for me," said Dorothy, "to while away the time by listening to some tale. For my spirit are not yet tranquil enough to let me sleep when it would be seasonable. Well then, in that case," said the curate, "I will read it if it were only out of curiosity. Perhaps it may contain something pleasant." Master Nicholas added his entreaties to the same effect. And Sancho too, seeing which, and considering that he would give pleasure to all and receive it himself, the curate said, "Well then, attend to me, everyone, for the novel begins thus." 唔该晒 Costa， 好咁呢一节似乎咧就翻翻去之前有文女向当杰奥提献身嘅呢一个旅馆啦，出现咗搞笑嘅一幕。不过咧呢一节咧就唔系想讲呢一件事，呢一节咧。就係、是、想講呢個女館嘅館主咧，收埋咗一啲有關騎士精神嘅故事嘅書，而呢個牧師咧就好想燒咗呢啲書，咁為此咧，館主咧就為啲書作出辯護啦，就係、是、話我當然知道呢啲書係虛構噶啦，咁但係呢啲書咧唔係真係屬於我嘅，啊屬於之前一位女啊，佢留咗喺度，我希望咧有日咧可以還翻俾佢，咁但係呢啲書咧都好有趣嘅。咁我都睇咗，我覺得係值得留低咁樣。咁為此呢，祭司們啦
，包括埋 Dorothea 啊、Central 啊呢啲，全部都想聽下呢個古仔。咁下一節咧就會閱讀呢個書嘅內容。好，我哋睇下呢一字有啲咩字同大家分享。Repast, repast, R-E-P-A-S-T， 名詞嚟嘅，意思係 a meal。A tunnel, phlegmatic, phlegmatic, p h l e g m a t i c, 形容词嚟嘅，形容一个人嘅。Having an unemotional and stolidly calm disposition, stolidly calm disposition, 一个好沉着嘅性情，形容一个人。Schismatic, schismatic, s c h i s m a t i c, 形容词嚟嘅 ，characterized by Or favoring schism, 即係一個同 schism 形象或者傾向有關嘅嘢。咁 schism 係咩咧 ？S C H I S M 呢個名詞係咩意思咧 ？A split or division between strongly opposed sections or parties caused by differences in opinion or belief 喺個 church 入邊啊，教會入邊關於一啲神論啦、啊、啲理論啦、啊、神學嘅嘢咧嘅分裂。啊！書，喺文中咧，誒、呃、呢、这個 curate 咧想燒啊呢啲書，其中之嘅理由咧就係話呢啲書咧凌駕會分裂嘅一啲理由咧嚇。Schematic、啊、嘅書咧，好，我哋下一節再繼續讀你聽。拜拜。If you like this video, make sure to comment, like, share, and subscribe to Costa. See you next Friday.